Hello from Pittsburgh. Welcome back to another episode of Cleared for Takeoff. I'm your host, Gavin Rice, and I want to share what I've learned in aviation, both on the job, off the job, and what I've encountered everywhere in between. Like I said, I'm in Pittsburgh uh, in the middle of a trip, just like the previous one. I think I was in Burlington, right? It's all a blur. Anyway, I'm with Kellen. Kellen, welcome back to the show, man. Ah, good to be back. Thank you for having me again. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and thanks for hosting me again. Oh, of course. Just We were just talking before <laughs> that this is my third time coming to your apartment, I think. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, if that's not friendship, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. So yeah, like I said, in the middle of a trip, I thought, you know, I'm going to hit up Kellen, see where he's at. And uh, funny enough, obviously, Kellen and I know each other from our previous job. We were in the same class together, the training class. And uh, I moved on, and now Kellen has moved on. You are now, you just finished up training at a, yep. at a major airline, which is awesome. Congrats, man. Thank That's you. great. You made it through. You're, you're still alive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Kellen, what aircraft are you flying now? The 737. Ah! The Manly Man airplane. Uh, yes. That is, that is a reference to the, the last episode we did together, which, by the way, how long ago was that? had to be back in like february i think it was a while ago so we're pushing a year since that oh my god because that yeah. was one of the, the first episodes of the show it was the first 10 i want to say first 10 episodes or something so well that was a long time ago and at that point you know we we're still still flying the, the e-jet the Embraer, the, the the mighty 170 the jungle jet the jungle jet <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh and and going back to the reference of the manly man aircraft we before going to our initial training uh for for flying the Embraer. We had a CTP course that, that I talked about in that last episode. I think that stands for Certified Training Program or something like that. It's this this pre pre airline course that you have to take, right? Where you're it's kind of a, a transition course, saying, okay, you were flying a piston aircraft before, and now you're you're moving on to a jet, right? So we had that course that we talked about in Dallas, uh, and one of the instructors we had. Was a was a U.S. Air American no, American think, yeah. yeah and he he flew the 737 and oh my gosh he was so proud of that right <laughs> oh yeah he would not stop talking about it and the the one phrase he kept going over and over and over and over and over again oh the Boeing it's a manly man aircraft and it's just <laughs> it's just so funny about one of the most traditional guys you could yep. think of right I mean some of the things he said I was like well. I don't know how appropriate that was for this day and age right but oh god what a hoot so now here you are. Flying the Manly Man aircraft. Oh, yeah. Here I am. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You know, you really fit the picture, too. You know, Kellen, you, Kellen's rocking this mustache. And it's just it's fantastic. He's like, if the stereotype of an airline pilot, Kellen fits the bill. It's awesome. Um, so I didn't really plan out too many questions just uh, as we were talking before this. We're just winging it. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, Doing what, it on the fly. Yeah, there you go. Oh, boy. <laughs> we, we could pull out a whole bunch here. All right. So... First up, so you just finished the training. Um, you're waiting for your OE, initial yep. operating experience date. So that, like you said, I think it's what, a week or so? About a like week that. or two. Okay, hopefully that's, that's not, not longer than that. Yeah, cool. And uh, first showing up for, like like any airline, you know, they have the indoctrination the, the first yep. week or so. You drink the juice of the airline that you're at. Welcome aboard, right? Death by PowerPoint. Death by PowerPoint. Yep, you all have all the different speeches. People come in. Uh, and then... When it first came time to, to, to get down to business and start learning about the 7.3, what uh, overall impressions, like as you went into it, what, what was it like? It's an archaic airplane compared <laughs> to the 170. It mm -hmm. is uh, like I miss the ICAS. 
Okay. Um, that, uh, for, for the listeners who don't know, it's, I've had some feedback where people are like, what is this acronym? What is that acronym? So I got Engine Indicating Crew Alert System, I think. Something like sounds that. Like, sounds like that. Um, that's like the central <coughs> screen that would tell us all of our engine information and then also start yelling at us if something goes wrong, the dings right. we get. Right. But it would tell you exactly what's wrong. Right. On the 7.3, there's, there's a whole concept called field of view. So if the light is within your field of view, which is basically the main panel, mm-hmm. a little bit on the, uh, the center pedestal, just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to get a master uh, caution oh. light because you can see it. However, oh. if you've seen the overhead on the 7.3, oh, there's a lot of tons of lights and switches on there. You're not going to be constantly looking up to see if a light goes off. So right. since it's out of your field of view, then you'll get a master caution light, a yellow master ca- or amber oh. master caution light. And okay. then right next to it is um, <clears throat> basically what they call, I forget, I forget exactly what it's called, you know, <laughs> technology, but, um, <laughs> but it will tell you where to look on the panel. So it'll oh. say like engine or hydraulics or air conditioning, flight okay. controls. So then, it, you know, it lights up, you look, oh, okay. And then you look up and see what, what the actual light is. And then, wow. you know, you go to the QRH from there. So okay. it's like the poor man's ICAST or like the original right <laughs> original icast um yeah. same idea it's just not all right there in your okay you know it doesn't tell you exactly what's going on it's it like just tells here's kind of what's happening <laughs> pull out the qrh and then okay. go through there and then it's like it gives you all these different conditions and then you know you choose one and then it's like all right that's how you kind of troubleshoot it so okay um wow that's that's interesting well like we were talking about this last night that, you know <clears throat> The 737 was developed in the 60s, right? I believe yep. it was. So not much has changed about it, right? Exactly. Obviously, some some increases or, or yeah, updates, I should say, for technology in the flight deck. But right. overall, in terms of systems and everything, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. And yeah. uh, also, if you look at the NG, uh, the 7, 8, 900, um, that's all 90s technology even. Wow. You know, it's not until the, the Max came out, you right. know, a couple of years ago, whenever that was. Huh. Um, so it's 60s airplane yep. with either 90s or late 2000s technology in it, yep. depending on which one it is. And uh, so it's very quirky in that regard. But uh, at least from the sim, it flew really nicely. Yeah. Uh, very responsive. That's cool. Um, yeah. The, if you throw in a lot more, you know, you have to be a lot more deliberate with how quickly you advance the thrust levers because it will pitch up on you. Wow. So you just got to be aware of that right but uh you know it's a jet (laughs) yeah a jet is a jet is a jet right a plane is a plane right you're gonna figure it out (laughs) it's just a little bit more things to keep track of than on the 170 right yeah for sure and and for those who don't know with uh from one jet to the next is what we call a type rating right we go through all this training like kellen and i had the, the type rating for the 170 uh and going on to fly the 737 that's a separate type rating because even though a plane is a plane is a plane it's different enough where you know oh yeah if if you asked me to go sit in a 737 which i've jump seated a couple times and i'm looking around thinking i i'd be helpless yeah. i would have no idea how to fly this thing it's like that meme of the two dogs you know <laughs> yeah it's like oh what's going on yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah, I mean, it, it's it's wild the differences that manufacturers will will come to with with you know from one aircraft right. to the next. And we were a buddy of yours last night. We met up uh, when you picked me up. A uh, buddy of yours from college. He's also flying the seven thirty seven. Yep. And uh, just exchanging overall some great stories. But on the on the topic of the seven thirty seven, 
uh, you and him were, were kind of pointing out how one of the reasons why there haven't been too many updates to the flight deck is because kind of the stubbornness of traditional pilots, right? right? Where there probably were opportunities to make some changes in order to enhance, you know, flight deck organization and whatnot and, and oh, yeah. the philosophy of how things work. But, but just, then it would be a whole new type rating. Right. And airlines right. that have historically operated every variant of that airplane right. multiple at a time yep. would have had to pay all kinds of extra money to do new training okay. for a whole new type yep. and you know only uh certain pilots can fly certain airplanes whereas okay. now you know if an airline has a fleet of a bunch of different variants of the 73 is it are there differences yes yep. but every pilot can fly every airplane right which makes it as you know from our last job makes it so much easier right <clears throat> for scheduling and just for when when it hits the fan is right um it just it makes it all that much more simple yeah absolutely and you were pointing out this out to me uh i think last night or maybe this morning that uh what was it the, the 700 or no when they when when round dials became glass screens instead of you know redeveloping <laughs> uh your yeah. screens to to relay that information to the pilots they were essentially just exactly what the round dial would have been, but just an LCD screen. On the screen. screen. <laughs> yep. That was, I mean, they, that's been gone for years now. Okay. But, because um, if you look at a 7.3, it's got, you know, the PFD, the NavDate uh, display, and okay. the MFD and whatnot. But, mm -hmm. yeah, originally when the NGs came out, some airlines had the actual round dials on the screens in the same spot that they would have been on, say, the 300. Wow. So, that, that it's kinda, just funny. That kind of reminds me of like a, a small piston aircraft. How some people, instead of just ripping out the entire panel and putting in some glass, you know, Garmin G one thousand screen in there, right? Where uh, the little round dial, uh, I, forget, I guess the, the Garmin two seventy five. Oh yeah, it where it's like just that. the individual screens, right? And it fits in right. the template that was already there. But the difference though yeah. is, picture the G one thousand, but instead of that nice display, it's all the round dials right, right. on the the screen. Right, right. <laughs> like that's just, what's displayed. It, oh gosh, it makes sense if you think about it during that transition, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's just funny. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So in, in terms of, like, I know nothing about the 737, I'll be honest. Uh, like I said, I've jump seated a couple times, looked around, just like, oh my God, there's a lot of buttons up here. And, and watching you guys when you're doing your flows and everything, I mean, I, I feel so spoiled on the E-Jet because everything's automated. And, and on the Embraer, we have this dark and quiet concept and everything's in the 12 o'clock position, meaning, so the dark and quiet concept, meaning that if everything's operating normally, no lights or dings or bells or anything should be going off. And everything in its normal position is, for the most part, most switches are always in the 12 o'clock position. And then they might have like a 45, you know, to the left or right, or they have like a three o'clock and nine o'clock, you know, all these different switches at position. But for the most part, the 12 o'clock, quiet, dark concept, everything's good. Yeah. The 737, does it even have, I mean, you were talking it, about field of view. It does, we have the field of view concept. Okay. And we do have that dark and quiet concept. Okay. To yep. a degree, <laughs> it's not as nice and organized as sure. the 170, sure. but, um, you know, in normal flight, yeah, a couple of lights are going to be on, yep. but there shouldn't be any amber lights. Okay. Uh, that's um, usually a bad thing flight. on anything, so, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So there are some green lights, there are some blue lights that okay. are perfectly normal, Yep. but um, it's, it's the same, it's the same idea on paper yep. and instead of the uh, 12 o'clock philosophy with the knobs um 
the seven three has a lot of toggle switches. Oh, okay, so if yeah. the the overhead panel is you know oriented, so it's um, basically if a switch is on, it's going to be pointing forward towards the nose of the airplane. If it's oh. off, it's pointed aft. Oh, that's um, opposite <clears throat> of of the Embraer. Yeah, so it's not necessarily yeah. 12 o'clock. It's like right. forward and aft, basically. Okay, yeah. So um, your landing lights, when you turn them on, and you push you them forward. You push them forward. Whoa, okay. That's completely opposite. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, that's weird. Huh. It's, it's a little bit different, but sure. if you just if you understand that idea, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's like we're um, going forward. That's right. on. You know, exactly. We want it off. It's, but, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, so it, there's a lot more switch management sure. in the 7.3, definitely. Yeah. But I will say... And I haven't even flown the real airplane. Right. But right. just from what I've learned, that thing's a tank. Yeah. That thing is, oh, it is hard to break that. When it's broken, it's really broken. <laughs> but unlike the uh, <clears throat> unlike the E-Jet, that's so automated, has so much technology in there. If you power it up the wrong way, right. you could get the whole flight control no dispatch or something like right. that. Right. Whereas the 7.3... You really have to mess something up to break it like wow. that. So I mean, it's just in terms of the, the engineering of it. Like you said, when you have the more automation you have, the friendlier and, and more efficient it can be in the flight deck in terms of operating and, and understanding systems and whatnot. But to some degree, right, there's a fine line between being able to operate the aircraft and, and know what's going on and, and have full control over it. Right. Versus, uh, as we always knew, the, the voice or, or in the systems manual, according to system logic. Right. right you know, it's going to do this and it's going to exactly. do that. And, and it honestly, it makes it more challenging sometimes because you have to fully understand what is this plane going to do in this situation right. versus that situation. And the 7.3 is similar in a degree. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not as automated. Right. So it does have its system logic. Okay. Systems are designed. So the systems on a jet airplane are designed the same with the same philosophy in mind isolation redundancy and fault protection right so right that's the same on the 7.3 as the Embraer as the Airbus yep um it's just you know there's obviously differences in each right. system but right fundamentally they're similar like yeah, that absolutely <clears throat> yeah one, one thing I've noticed like I said jump seated a few times looked up there watched the operation it's, it's pretty fun what I really uh again taken aback with just how many more switches there are because there's a little less automation uh, on the 7.3 yep. than the Ember. Um, but what I do really like is the the pedestal in terms of the uh, all, all your controls. They're just, they stick out and they're large. Right. They, they seem, uh, they're trying to make a point, right? Yeah. Where like your throttle quadrant, these honking things with- <laughs> That's your, a technical your, term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your reverse start like these levers that you like They're have big. to take your whole hand yep. and come up and rip rip them back. I mean that's that's wild because on the Embraer it's just below your throttle. Yeah, so just little. And I always had trouble go, with those things. <laughs> just little trigger. You go and that's it. Yeah. But I, I always <laughs> noticed that and then and your speed brake lever and because that thing moves right. Yep. That's weird. Yeah, because ours doesn't and, and the Jeff. Right. Um, and then uh, the flap lever is like. The whole column it's on, because mm-hmm. you do your flaps in degrees, right? So yeah. you go like one degree, one, five, five ten, ten or one, two, five, ten. Ooh, wow. Okay. 15, 20, 20. <laughs> yeah. There's like all these 40. notches. And I remember watching uh, whoever was pilot monitoring, like deploying the flaps. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're just moving so much. And, and 
And also, there are these. There are two gates on the flap lever too. Oh right, yeah. One at the one degree Uh and one at the fifteen. The reason for that is if you're doing a flaps thirty or forty landing and you have to go around, Mm -hmm. immediately go up to flaps fifteen. Okay. Versus if you're doing a flaps fifteen landing for whatever reason and you have to go around, you go to flaps one. So okay. You know, if you're going around, you have all this stuff happening. You don't want to be like, okay, you know, looking at it and making sure you just move it to the gate and you're good. Okay. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it, it's just, it's amazing the differences that, yeah. that you'll see. And it, so it, overall, obviously a, a different training environment, moving from one company to, the, to another, you know, no, no two companies are the same. Um, what was the most challenging thing taking on the 7.3? I mean, I know you're, you're an absolute aviation nerd. You've got model oh, gee, planes thanks. all around. Hey, that's a good thing. That's a compliment. <laughs> You've got planes all around your apartment. It's awesome. I mean, you know more about planes than I do. I wouldn't um, say that. I, I, no, you went to Riddle. You know everything. <laughs> oh, boy. There we go. <laughs> um, but it, what, what was the most difficult thing? Because we were, like I said, we were, we were really spoiled being on that E-Jet. Right. And then it, it feels like, you know, if, if you go from, I don't know, maybe a, a, an old turboprop and then you go to a 737, right? You, you, some of that would kind of transfer over because you're dealing with a lot of those round dial right. type situations or more switches. But when you go from an Embraer to a 737... And you had what about nine hundred hours in the Embraer? Yeah, like just making about. making that adjustment, going from you know Cessnas and Cherokees to an Embraer, and then to a seven three. What, what was the most challenging thing? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Systems wise, I think was was pretty straightforward. I mean, mm-hmm. like we talked about, fundamentally they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the automation is a little bit different. Sure, a lot more archaic. But again, it's one of those things. Once you get the fundamental understanding of it, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. I'd say just the whole training footprint at my new airline was different because mm-hmm. it wasn't the AQP okay. like, advanced, uh, like our last one was. So it's uh, advanced qualification program, yeah. right? That, it's, it, that's all about like building blocks, right? right. Where your, your check ride, I mean, there is a check ride at the end, but you have all these testing <clears throat> components along the way. Exactly. It, it builds you up versus what you have. You were explaining this last night. It's like it more of a traditional. Traditional, yeah. right. So, so okay. We had the oral and mm-hmm. then the um, the type ride, which was okay. basically like the maneuvers validation. Right. Otherwise, um, there wasn't as much checking events. They had what are called gate events, though. Like it wasn't like a Jeopardy event or a checking event, but mm-hmm. if they could tell you weren't ready, they'll they wouldn't move you forward until you were. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you know it's good because they they're not going to send you to a Jeopardy event when you're not ready for right. it. Right. Obviously. Um. Yeah. That's good. So that part was a little bit different. Um, they gave you a ton of resources to use. Mm-hmm. However, I think at our last job, we had a little bit more guidance on how to use them. Yep. <laughs> then like we had less resources, but more instruction and a little bit more handholding and all that. Okay. Yep. Um, not saying, not saying that I needed that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was a little bit of a, a little bit of an adjustment, but coming from previous 121 experience did help a mm. lot because oh, yeah. we had, you know, the general idea of, okay, here's how this all works. Right. It's not like we're going from, you know, flight instructing or right. something else to where right. it's a, a whole new environment. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'd say it was, it was pretty pretty straightforward, not too many uh, surprises or anything. That's good. Uh, uh, just a different airplane, different right. airline. Yeah, you make an excellent point where, yeah, if you already have 121 <clears throat> experience, that, that that's referring to the, the regulations, by the way, of the... Uh, the FARs, the Federal Aviation Regulations, Part 121 governs airline operations. Um, 
it, having that experience, right? It, it, it sets you up for greatness because if you didn't have it, it's, it's one more thing on top of learning how to fly the plane, right? right? Is, oh, how do operations work? You know, get, the whole idea of landing at an airport, knowing what frequency to go to, to figure out what gate I'm at. And, and some airline does everything on a cars, the essentially aircraft to, to texting capability, right? Mm-hmm. Or you make a radio call. It, it's all different. I mean, it, at my company now, we can see what gate we're supposed to go at, but 95% of the time, I mean, actually all percent of the time, we're supposed to call operations on the ground just to verify the gate because yep. you know, they will change them sometimes, <laughs> especially at, at the major hub airports, right? Where they, they're like, oh, your aircraft's early. We're going to change you around here. here here's a oh, new yeah. gate. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So having having that experience, you and I had that experience, 121 already at a regional where it's like, okay, it's going to make it a little easier because right. there were, I'm sure there are guys in your class too, whether they're uh, military or corporate, you know, part 135. Exactly. Those guys, obviously, great aviators, right? right? They have a lot of oh, knowledge, yeah. and they deal with way crazier stuff than we do. You know, some of the corporate and, and military guys. Oh my gosh, they got some great backgrounds, right? Absolutely. But then they come to the one twenty one, and all and this it's totally or, different. Yeah, the organization is all different. You know how how operations work, and and then uh, depending on what they flew before, they may right. never have seen an FMC or right. had any of that stuff. So that's all right. new as well. FMC, what is that? Flight management computer? Yeah, right? something. something. FMC, MCDU, <laughs> FMS, CDU, whatever. There's five billion acronyms for the yep. same little box. It's that just does the box, things. right? Plug yeah. it, every time we say like, plug it in the box, you know, put it in the box. We got put it in the machine. Yeah, put it in the machine, right? <clears throat> That's the little computer that tells the aircraft to follow what to do what. And, and so, like on the Embraer, you had um, you you could the, the thrust rated settings, right? You can change whether or not uh, you can do these flex takeoffs, which are are partially uh, not not maximum thrust takeoffs. It's not using the full engine capacity. So you're inputting this flex temperature, which kind of tricks the computer into thinking it's a different real temperature outside. So you're tricking the computer to thinking it's a different temperature. Therefore, it derates the thrust. Mm-hmm. Do you have that capability on this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's a similar thing where you put it in the box and it like it knows how to Pretty do that. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, that all comes from our uh, performance data that we send through, uh, sent for through ACARS and yep. we could just load it right into the MCD or the okay. FMC, whatever yep. you want to call it. <laughs> um, so nine times out of 10, we don't even have to like type in the, the data manually. We just hit a button and it sends it right over, oh, which is nice. really nice. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're even on the EJET, you're still, you, you get your takeoff data and you have to manually yeah. plug it in. I mean, it's not, <clears throat> not the end of no, it's, it's really, it's really easy. It's really quick, but and that's actually an interesting thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is in order to save fuel and to save uh, wear and tear in the engine, because when you're you're shoving it to max thrust, I mean, that's a lot of extra wear and right. tear. And more revolutions per minute on the engine is, is more wear and tear. Exactly. So I think, uh, I know I've, I've told this to a couple of people, they're like, wow, they're so surprised. What is it something, I think there's a stat out there, a statistic where it's like 90% of our takeoffs are derated thrust takeoffs. Something like that. Something like, like we're constantly taking off with not our maximum power, which when you come from flying a little piston aircraft, you need everything you got. You got everything you got, especially on a high density right. altitude day. I mean, you're, you're, you're firewalling it, right? Uh, every single time. But here it's like doing a, a max thrust takeoff or, or a, a no flex, you know, however you want to call it, right? It's, it's kind of rare. I did a couple on, on this, this past couple days, uh, just because <clears throat> of, of max lows, you know, pretty much mm-hmm. max takeoff weight. But other than that, or, or when it bleeds out, right. uh, a single bleed source, uh, bleed referring to the, the air coming from the engine to, to power systems like anti-ice and pressurization, all that. Uh, you know, when you got one of those out, 
you got to make up for it some make up for it somehow. So you, you're you know applying more yeah. thrust, <laughs> which is fun. Speaking of thrust, what I mean, obviously right now it's still the Sims, right? You haven't started flying the plane yet, right. but I'm uh, I mean these full motion simulators do an amazing job at at kind of recreating the environment that you're going to be at. How different does it feel to fly the plane? Like in terms of flying, piloting characteristics of the seven. It's a heavier airplane, right? The controls are very responsive, but it's a heavier airplane. Yeah, it, it, you could tell that. Yeah, a lot more thrust oh, for yeah, the most yeah. part. Right. That's why I said when you add that power, it pitches up on you. Right. Um, and that—that's what you're saying. Like you're expect, uh, describing this uh, last night to me is like, you know, when your throttles move forward. Your, your response with your control wheel is to also push that forward. Right. They, they kind of work exactly. uh, in harmony because if you don't do that, the pitching up moment is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's why when we do go-arounds, we do what is kind of loosely referred to as a gentleman's go-around. So we don't do <laughs> just shove the thrust levers forward. We do kind of what's called standing it up. So mm-hmm. um, not all the way to the firewall, but about... Maybe a little more than halfway, but mm-hmm. so your arm goes kind of flat mm-hmm. when you're doing it, and that's about eighty some percent and okay. one, yep. and that's more than enough. Right. Um, that way, number one, you're reducing wear and tear on the engines, right. like you, like we were talking about, and also it gives you a little bit more control in that pitch, so it's not shooting way up on you. Right. And when you say when you say N one, just for some of the listeners who don't know, that's the uh, the speed of the fan blade, yeah. right? The forward fan blade. Because yep. you look at a jet engine, it's kind of funny to think about how these modern engines are what we call high bypass ratio, right? So what is it? Like 80% of the thrust actually comes from the fan blade right. that goes over the engine core and only like <clears throat> whatever's left over, I guess that would be 20%, is actually raw thrust from the exhaust. Depends, not, on, depends on what engine. altitude you're at. Though. And what altitude you're at too. So Absolutely. low down, yeah, most of your thrust comes from the fan, but right. if you're in the upper flight levels, true, that true. fan's almost useless that's and true, it's yeah. all from yep. the actual core. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, I forgot about that. High altitude aerodynamics. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you're saying N1, like we said, that's the, the, the forward fan blade. And so... Most jets, for at least uh, the the main thrust setting we're looking at is N1. Uh, some jet, like on the Embraer, it was for N2 is just a tiny digital readout, and then we yeah. would have the ITT, which is the inner turbine temperature gauge. Yep. That was the other like dial looking thing. Is it like that on the 730? Yep. Well, so, it's, okay. it's like that. So too, the N2 so again is you don't really care as much about <laughs> the N2. We refer to the N2 especially if we're looking for indications with a failure if it's like core lock, right? right? Because obviously the engine's seized if it's N N two is zero, mm-hmm. right? But if it's moving, okay, maybe we could restart this engine or right. something, right? Okay. Well, same yeah. with N one. You look at that too. Right. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yep. And then for starting the engine, once we're at the, like twenty five percent N two along those or N two stabilization, that's when we add the fuel. Oh yeah, we have to do that manually oh too. Yeah. Wait. Talk me through the startup sequence. <laughs> okay. Holy so. Holy crap. First, you have to turn the packs off. Okay. Those are the, the air conditioners, yep. right? Okay. You turn those off. All right. Then we have the two or start switches up on the overhead, which is basically it. So on the Embraer, you have the start-stop switches. Yep. <laughs> which is basically like these start switches plus the fuel shut or the, the start levers, yep. which control the fuel. Okay. Um, so <laughs> again, very archaic. Yeah. The start switches more or less can um, control the, the starter and the igniters. Okay. So we go to ground, watch the, uh, the, when you say, sorry, to cut, when you say ground, that's to like cut off the electrical. No, no, the op- <clears throat> opposite. So 
the let me back up a little bit. The start <laughs> switches have a bunch of different positions: ground, okay. off, okay. continuous, and flight. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's to start the engine. So okay. uh, if we're on the ground, okay. obviously we put it to ground, okay. and that fires the starter, gets the igniters going. Okay. Um, and then once we have about, like I said, twenty five percent N two or mm-hmm. just N two stabilization, and everything looks good, then we take the the start lever, which is down below the thrust levers, and move it to the uh, idle position, and that opens up the fuel valves and wow. introduces fuel to the engine then we're monitoring wow. you know the light off the rollback all that kind of stuff so it's wow. and then we got to reconfigure the packs the, or the whole bleed panel right bus up the generators oh my gosh um wow <laughs> put the start switch back to continuous so it's it's a lot more than just turning to start and just watching right. Right, because yeah, the, the aforementioned all those steps on the Embraer, it does it automatically. When we right. when we hit the start stop switch, and then we let go, we set the timer, and we're just watching. But then and all, uh, all that stuff is happening automatically. It's introducing fuel. It's, mm-hmm. It knows when to stop. You know the continuous igniter. Like it's, yeah. it, it it knows when the generator is going to take over uh, for the electrical load because maybe the APU is still running or or the you know whatever. But like it's it's wild how that's all automated. But when you break it down like that. In terms of understanding systems, right. if you were coming from no knowledge before, that's actually a great way to figure out what's going on. It is. Because when we're so automated, I'm just looking at the screen and just mm-hmm. waiting to right. make sure there's no hung start or hot start. Exactly. And that's about it. <laughs> and yeah, it's exactly. And the, that's the funny thing is back at our old job, we never had any um, call outs for engine starting, right? Uh, it was just, only if it was an abnormal right, start. Right, but otherwise that, you're just oh, like, all right, starting one, right, starting just, two. Yep, there was no, um, yeah, exactly. So here it's, you know, starting one, starting two, and then sure. you call oil pressure, you call oh my gosh. light off, you call rollback. So wow. you're basically, it, I like to think of it as you're basically talking the engine through the start <laughs> sequence. Yeah, be a good engine, get going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so it's it's a little bit more involved. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> um, and then again, because the e jet did it all for you. Yep. It took care of the the generators. It took care of the the packs, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. We have to do that all on our own now. Uh, um, huh. And we always uh, it depends because I remember at our old job we would start one first typically. Yep. Um, on the seven three. We usually start two first, just because of the geometry okay. for where the APU bleed comes in, okay. and um, and whatnot. So huh. if you start two first, you can isolate that side and have that side power at least one pack, okay. and then have the APU start the other engine. Oh, that way okay. you can get yep. air to the right. customers in the back. So right. It's a little right. more comfortable. Yeah. Especially, you know, we're getting into this cold time of year. You know, that's really important. Or, or in the summer. Or conversely, in the summer, that gets really bad. If you're not air conditioning, I mean, yeah. those planes are like little greenhouses in mm-hmm. the summer. I mean, the sun bakes and oh, it gets hot. That's no fun. Exactly. Wow. That, that's the different. It's so fun to, because like I said, I've only been up there a couple times to just kind of look at everything. But now to, to talk to someone, you know, it's just, you're the first guy who've had like this you know, down to down conversation about like, Oh, what's going on? You know, when you're flipping all those switches and everything, I mean, that's awesome. And the thing with the screens, right. And I mean, one feature we were talking about this, um, last night with the, the, the primary flight display, the PFD, our, our flight path vector 
which kind of, it, it shows us exactly where the airplane is going, right? And then if we've got the, the flight director going, which depending on our vertical mode, lateral mode, speed modes, all that, it's, it's guiding us. And we, we're just putting the donut in the hole, right? Yep. We're, just, we're following it along. You are telling me last night, tell me again about like that, how it is on the, uh, it's, the it's the cross tees. Okay. Yep. So we don't have that, that nice flight director like we did on the E jet. Okay. Is it usable? Absolutely. Right, right. But it's, you know, a little bit of a learning curve at first. Yep. Mm -hmm. We do have the option to turn on a flight path vector. Okay. Um, I haven't really messed around with it too much, yep. but it's there if yep. you need it. Huh. Most, I think, I don't think most people use it to yep. be honest with you, but hmm. it's there. Well, that's cool. So it's like similar things just displayed differently. Right. And do you have one of the things I love? Uh, in fact, I think the EJ is one of the few jets that has is the the profile view, a vertical profile. Yeah. View. So I think the I've only did one sim in the Max, uh -huh. but I think on the Max it's there. On the NGs, it's yep. not there. So th this is a, a really cool feature when you're when you're working on your descent planning, right? You're getting ready to descend, and you want to see, okay, do I need to create any step down fixes or slow down fixes? And it's a great way you can scroll through all your fixes. And not only look at it on a top-down view, which that's how most of it is anyway, but also a, a vertical profile view so you can see a, a cross-section of what you're going to be doing. Right. I, I, I personally love that tool on the, on the Embraer. And then additionally on the, the plan map, uh, the plan view, can you scroll to look at like all your fixes? We can. Okay, yeah. yeah okay, because that's like, a, we can. I know there are some jets out there that don't even do that. That's, it's, that's kind of crazy. it's similar enough to where we do have that. We just okay. don't have yeah. that vertical uh, profile which i miss yeah. dearly yeah it's nice it, you know when you're looking also the the vertical profile also extends this green line yeah out the so laser. you can see the laser yeah like pointing the laser because then you can kind of judge oh boy i'm not going to make that crossing restriction right or, yeah i got it okay let's level it out a little bit we've got that green banana that's about it and oh, that's not yeah. even that accurate yep. so yep. and and your your buddy uh, last night was telling me how to the uh uh in terms of vnav capabilities is very it's not it geometric always, yeah it always just uses thrust idle yep so and you can't adjust the degree nope. right so you could be you could have a gnarly tailwind and, and you're going to be screaming you're going to go you're going to be screaming which is not a, not very comfortable right. for the people in the back right so obviously so how do you get around that i know your buddy he, he had a funny explanation where he's like ah you know sometimes you just got to rip open the speed brakes yeah <laughs> like did, did they teach you anything in training how to um, kind of counteract there that? are a couple of different ways to descend early mm -hmm. um you do a cruise descent or descend now function in okay. the mcdu which yep. basically will give you a thousand feet per minute till yep. you meet up with that descent path so that would make it a little bit more comfortable okay. if you're able to do it you know if right. atc lets you right otherwise just <laughs> Wing it. Fly the air. Exactly. <laughs> Just do it on the fly. Just, wow. Um, you know, use your speed brakes as you need. Right. And because uh, you could be cooking down pretty yeah. quick. That airplane will not go down or slow down. Right. If you think the E-Jet the e is bad, the 7.3, oh, it's... Slippery plane, huh? It is. Yeah. The 700, I think, is the easiest to manage with that. Sure. The 800, somewhere in the, the middle. The max, forget it. Yeah. You better... Yeah, if they're telling you to slow down while you're... Yeah. Which, ugh, I mean, for the most part, uh, <clears throat> in some of these busier airspaces, controllers will have you, like, they'll say, maintain this altitude, then right reduce speed to whatever right and, and, and yeah they, so that's it's like oh they understand that we can't do both right. of them. but when you're in a constant descent and they're like uh slow to 210 and you're doing 250 yeah, like, it's like um okay i'll try rip the boards <laughs> yeah. drop the gear whatever like, you need to do it's like you can either give me one or the other but i you know i, I can't do both at once oh, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty wild tell me about the the landing site picture because interestingly enough i was telling you you and chris about the or your buddy chris about this last night um that 
uh, from the 170 to 190, even that was a different landing site right. picture, right? <clears throat> Not much, but but enough to be like, okay, even though it's the same type rating, it's a little different. Yeah. What about in the 73? Because when you look at that plane, it's a very squat looking yep. aircraft and it has this very pointy nose. Mm-hmm. It's a small flight deck, I will yeah, say. That's it a is. So what's that like? In terms of the the sight picture. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure that out. Because, you know, the sim is different than the airplane. Right, right. So I haven't seen the actual actual landing sight picture. Okay. It's kind of, from what what it sounds like, more of a two-step flare. So Hmm. um, you're not just bringing it all back at once. Hmm. Made that mistake a couple times in the sim. Slam! Yep. (laughs) Well, that's what the sims Um, are for. Exactly. (laughs) But the flare is a bit different. It's harder to grease that airplane on. Just with how that flare is. Right. Um, but like I said, I, I've never, you know, I haven't touched the real one yet. Hopefully I will, mm-hmm. you know, soon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but it, it is different. Yeah. The nice thing too, that I miss about the e-jet and this is very simple, but in the e-jet, you know how we had the sight gauge to get your seat set up just right. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. We don't have that. <laughs> oh, so you're just like, hopefully you get it right. From yeah. So it's like, all right, you, you know, you got, you should see this much over the glare shield and yep. all that. And it's like. Okay, I mean, that's kind of helpful, but at the same time, it's wow. like, eh, I wish I, you know, it'd be nice to have that precise. Huh. Yeah, um, yeah, that is nice for lining up. And I always, I'm able to figure it out, like, how many clicks back. Right. Or, or actually, the way that I judge it, you remember where, like, the, the foot uh, pedestals are? Yeah, yeah. You can put your feet up. That's actually there in case, like, you had to get up there and, right. like, pull really hard on the yoke, right? But we usually use it for our lounging uh, up front, but I, I try and judge it where I get my shin like oh, one yeah. click back so that when I go to bring my feet up to use the brakes, my shin shouldn't hit that. And that usually works. And then what I do is cause on the 190 we have the HUDs. So if you remember the, the compass planes we oh, had, yeah. we, we didn't have HUDs, but they had this giant thing, the dumb the, projector, the projector thing. yeah, housing. Right. Um, so actually as annoying as that can be when you go to bonk your head or whatever, what I do is I like, I kind of give myself like, okay, that should be like a two inch yeah. you know, gap or something. So that works. But that that's pretty interesting. So sometimes you just kind of have to, you kind of have to wing it. Exactly. Just like, ah, we're just going to go for it. So, wow. So any, any last thoughts about the seven three? I mean, like, like you said, you, you still got to hit the line. You, right. you got, you know, um, uh, flying's coming up soon, but any last thoughts on the, on the seven three? It's a, it's a nice airplane. Yeah. I've, uh, I've enjoyed learning it so far. Yep. Excited to go fly it again. That thing. You could use that as a tank if you take the wings off. That is, yep. a, that is a hard airplane to break. It's a reliable It's a aircraft. reliable airplane. I mean, it, everyone's probably heard in the news about the whole uh, MCAS problems. that, And that's, that's a whole that's different a whole topic debate, right? But in terms of the aircraft, I mean, there's a reason why this plane developed in the 60s is still going so strong. Yeah. I mean, uh, so many airlines fly them. Not, not only airplane. here in the U.S., but across the globe. I mean, it's, it's a very reliable aircraft. Yeah. That, that many carriers use and they last forever. I mean, that's the kind of comparison to an Airbus and Boeing. It's like Airbus, so full of technology, but those planes have a lifespan of eh, 15, 20 years usually, right? right? The, the Boeings are sticking around. Mm-hmm. Even the cargo carriers are using 50 year old planes. Yeah. It's wild. <clears throat> it's amazing. So the reliability, I mean. There's still some 200s floating around. Yeah. Oh, the ones that land on the, the ice. And yeah. The, one. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're approved. To, oh, that is awesome. That's really cool. Well, Kellen. That's pretty much all we got. It's time for me to head to the airport. I guess I yep. better fly the last three legs here and go home. And then I finally got a few days off. But anyway, Kellen, thanks so much for hosting me again. Yeah. It was great picking your brains about the 737. Hopefully, uh, again, this is awesome. I had a Pittsburgh overnight. Who knows? You said you might be moving to, to 
get closer to a base or you might stick around anyway, but it's always so much fun uh, getting to catch up with you, man. Oh, yeah, you too. And thanks again for, for hosting this. Yeah, blast. thank you for uh, coming by. All right, anytime, man. Well, folks, that, uh, that does it for this episode of Clear for Takeoff. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next time. And until then, as always, fly safe.